Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76, where we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. When people talk about you years down the road, what will they say? Oh yeah, he or she was a good manager or employee. Or will there be something more? In today's conversation, my guest will talk about how to leave a meaningful, and lasting mark on your organization, or in his words, how to become a leader of significance. Let me introduce him. Mosango Moukwa is a seasoned executive and consultant who has dedicated his career to helping companies thrive by commercializing new technologies, diversifying their product offerings, and entering new markets. Across 30-plus years in leadership, Mosango has applied his unique talent for identifying leadership gaps and developing the talent and culture necessary for success. His transformational leadership style helps solve important innovation challenges that hold organizations back by unleashing the collective creativity of their people. This results in increased profitability and growth. Osango has held leadership positions in R&D and operations at some of the world's most respected brands, including VP Global Technology at SC Johnson, Vice President of Global Technology at Reichold, Vice President of Technology at Asian Paints, Director of Technology at Aviant, formerly Poly One, and Chief Global R&D at PCBL, formerly Philips Carbon Black LTD. Losango is currently president at Hathaway Advanced Materials, a specialty chemical company that manufactures a special polymer called polysilazanes. Losango is also the author of bestseller, Be a Leader of Significance, Build Your Legacy, Leave an Impact. Losango, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe, uh, thank you very much uh, for having me on your show. Thank you. I'm honored. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. And I'd love to have you start by just telling us a little bit more about your own journey as a manufacturing leader and what led you to where you are today. Thank you. This is actually, uh, Joe, to tell you the truth, uh, I got into uh, this uh, leadership role by accident. So I just finished my PhD and uh, I took a job with a specialty chemical firm in Ohio. I was excited to be part of their research and development division. And I was frankly looking forward to uh, settling into a career as a research scientist. I was dreaming of developing products, you know, developing IP for the company, uh, going to conferences, uh, presenting uh, the company technology and product. What happened is that uh, not long after I started, the vice president of R&D called me uh, in his office in a one-on-one meeting after a few jokes. Uh, he told me, say, well, well, Mosongo, uh, I see something more for you than just being in the lab. Uh, we are going to make you a manager. I've spoken to uh, other managers. They think you'll be a good fit. So uh, I would like for you to help us build a research organization. So now I've never managed people before. And I was somewhat caught off guard. And uh, by this uh, sudden uh, announcement, so I told him, I said, well, I'm not really sure if I'm ready to do this. Uh, and then he replied, he said, well, uh, don't worry, uh, everything will be all right. 
So all of a sudden, I was a brand new manager with no management experience and would have to figure things out because that's really not something I contemplated. So a few people had me fill in various gaps, but I was more or less on my own. So one year led to uh, to two, to three, and then that started uh, uh, my long career. Now, that instance actually uh, crystallized for me and then hopefully for you and your listener out there, uh, it's really the thought that uh, growth and comfort will never coexist. You get growth by being put in somewhat of an uncomfortable position. And in reality, when we close our eyes and, and we think of instances where we learn the most, it will be probably at the times where we're in somewhat of a risky or uncertain situation. So that really crystallized for me. And that crystallization made it clear, made it actually easier for me to take on a future assignment, some of them risky in a different job, in different country, and so on. So that was really how my whole career was launched, Joe. Yeah, I think that's such a great point that you know, growth doesn't come by doing the easy things time and time again. It's pushing yourself and challenging yourself. And sometimes you just wind up in that situation. There's there's a marketing agency advisor, me being a, an agency owner that his name's Drew McClellan. And he often talks about how many of us are accidental business owners. You didn't necessarily set out to to do that, but the opportunity falls in your lap and, and you, you jump on it. And the next thing you know, a few years later, you're in an entirely different position than and you might have thought and the challenges that you know are presented to you that you just have to embrace are the things that really lead you to you know figure out how to how to do it and eventually maybe be great at it so uh, that point really resonated with me yeah and absolutely joe I, and the, the truth of my career is that uh, i did not envision uh, becoming a leader but i find myself in that situation but the other thing that happened joe is that uh, right away i faced a choice huh? to do what other leaders around me were doing or to do what I felt uh, best for the people I was leading, for the organization as a whole. So I chose the latter, and I never looked back. Uh, along the way, I discovered a number of uh, behaviors and actions that the leader must take to operate at the personal best. And, and those are the things that uh, actually I've included and shared in my book. Well, nice transition, because that's what I was going to ask you about next. Your book is titled, Be a Leader of Significance, Build Your Legacy, Leave an Impact. What does it mean to be a leader of significance? This is a really a, a great question there, Joe. Actually, leadership is really a, a set of behavior and action. Uh, leadership comes from uh, the values that guide us, guide our decision and behavior. Uh, it comes from the, the vision we have for ourselves and others. And, and it shows up in the trust and, and connection that we build. So if you think of a traditional leadership, that will be managing project. And probably at the extreme is probably the transactional one. I just remember uh, in one of the jobs that I took uh, early in my career, so I was uh, managing a big uh, division in the company, reporting to the COO. And then when I went to see this uh, chief operating officer, to ask him what expectation he had for uh, for me personally and uh, for the department, his answer was simple. He said, Mosongo, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. So you cannot really find as transactional uh, as, as that. Huh? And this is something I hear a lot huh, within the manufacturing industry. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. But that's actually, that's a purely transactional type of leadership. So, but the leadership of significance 
What I'm saying is that there is one leadership uh, style that impacts uh, people's heart and mind. Uh, it's about building relationship and uh, expanding uh, the quality of those relationships. So a leader of significance is one that will make a lasting difference and open doors uh, that could lead to amazing results. So human connection is really the foundation of that leadership. So when you put emotional connection at the foundation, you're beginning to discover what people are really capable of. You create a foundation for confidence that will lead actually to new and exciting things. You motivate others uh, to achieve something that matters to them and to the company as a well. whole. So what I've learned is that in order to make uh, extraordinary things to happen, a leader must associate leadership with the types of behavior and action that others will see and recognize as possessing significance, as possessing purpose and meaning. So that's what uh, the leadership of significance is all about. Now, there are two aspects there, Joe. There is one aspect, which is that uh, servant leadership, which is focusing on developing individual, but there is also an aspect of uh, transformation, which is on inspiring employees to move forward to a common goal and meet or exceed uh, those goals. This is actually the start uh, to leaving a legacy and becoming a leader of significance. Masango, I've heard you talk about the idea of building social capital to drive productivity, to create energy. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, first of all, we have to realize that the leadership is not uh, a solo venture. So leadership uh, is not about how far we progress, but it's really about how far we help others to progress. So the key building a, a legacy for you as a leader is really developing other leaders, uh, because that's really how you can uh, multiply your impact uh, and so on. Now, when I'm talking about social capital is the following. Maybe uh, your listener will appreciate if I give uh, an example. So you are here, you're developing uh, leaders, but what I will, uh, I would suggest uh, to your listener who are senior uh, manager in manufacturing is that when you meet with your, uh, your direct report, your manager on your weekly uh, meetings, on a monthly basis. What I've done is that uh, rather than discussing only project, how the project has, is going, John, oh, Mike, uh, you're not meeting your deadline and so on, is to use that as an opportunity to discuss leadership issues. So one way of doing that, which I've done, is uh, rather than discussing project, take, for example, some literature, an article on leadership, ask your, uh, your direct report to read and then during those meetings, that could be an opportunity for you to discuss uh, with them, exchange ideas, for you to hear some new thoughts, perhaps challenge them. The other one that I did, which I'm also recommending, is that uh, in those meetings, you can use it as an opportunity for those leaders under your care to challenge each other and to give input to each other. Because really what you want is uh, to have those leaders to grow together, right? Huh? to learn from each other, and to stay connected, and later on, and more so, to collaborate. So, because that, by doing so, you then help to develop that human connection among them, which will endure. It also gives them a sense of affiliation, because now they're beginning to realize that actually, they're part of a collective, and all the other peers, they are there to support for the common cause. So it gives that social network, that social capital, which become then now a resource that each one of them can go and draw upon. Okay, let's take a quick break here. I want to let a couple of our strategists at Gorilla76 tell you about something pretty cool that we're doing right now for marketing folks in the manufacturing sector. 
Peyton and Brendan, take it away. So I'm Peyton Warren. And I'm Brendan Forrest. Twice a month, we host a live event called Industrial Marketing Live. Right now, we have a group of 50 plus industrial marketers from a variety of manufacturing organizations that meet up digitally to learn, ask questions, network, and get smarter. Every session has a designated topic. And one of our team members at Gorilla76 opens up by teaching for the first half hour or so. Topics have included how to do a better manufacturing webinar, getting started with paid social on LinkedIn, how to optimize your website for conversions, creating amazing video content, and so much more. After we break it down, we open it up to Q&A so we can help you apply all of this in your own businesses. This is pure value, no cost, no strings attached, no product or service pitches, just a 100% unadulterated learning experience. And on top of these live sessions, we've also opened up a Slack channel where attendees bounce ideas off each other and learn together between sessions. We're building a true community of manufacturing marketing professionals here. So if you or someone at your company has the word marketing in his or her job title, please consider telling them about it. They can visit industrialmarketinglive.com to register. We'd love to see you there. Masango, in your book, you mentioned the importance of creating moments that build confidence. Can you elaborate on that and maybe share some examples of what that could mean for our listeners? What I mean by that is uh, there are a number of things. Huh? So at the basis of this uh, leadership is the idea of uh, engaging with your team. That's extremely important because that really comes from, uh, from you as a leader, uh, making the effort to understand people at a deeper level than merely saying, you're, uh, just merely saying good morning, how are you doing? Because what are the people are looking for? Number one, the people are looking for a sense of belonging. So let me give you an example. In one of the jobs I was doing, there was uh, in my group, I was managing at that time uh, research and development. There was one chemist that was a part of my group. He was a very bright chemist. I mean, if you talk to him about chemistry, you can see from his eyes, you know, his eyes tinkling. So he was passionate about that and he was very good and he was delivering the company. So by the coffee machine, one day I asked him, I said, uh, tell me what is it here in this company? that you really, uh, really enjoy? What really draws you into working here? So uh, to my surprise, he told me, he said, uh, I like here because uh, I play ping pong during lunchtime because it gives him a chance for me to meet with Mike and John. We can exchange uh, ideas and so on. So clearly his passion was, uh, was in the chemistry, but uh, there was also another link to his motivation. So this uh, fellow was, uh, he saw himself as belonging to someone to something that was much bigger than him. Uh, he was a part of an uh, energetic group uh, in the department that collaborated. So he had formed a number of bonds with people, uh, many of whom that he considered to be good friends. So what I came to understand at that time about this individual, and I've recognized that uh, among other employees over my career, is that uh, the notion of belonging to something that can be one of the strongest motivation of all. So that's one thing that I've, I've come to learn. Uh, the second one, uh, Joe, is uh, you need to create this uh, psychological safety. I remember years ago, there was uh, one employee, she came, uh, she got transferred from marketing uh, to my group. What she told me is that uh, when she was uh, in the marketing group, at that time, her boss was extremely happy. You know, you're doing a great job and so on and so on. But over time, she realized that uh, she was no longer invited in meetings. Uh, her peers began to say, oh, you know, actually, uh, he's not very pleased with your work, and so on and so on. And then uh, my question to her was that, uh, why did you not go to your 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 boss, your supervisor, and, and raise the question, well, why am I not 
invited to meetings. What she told me is that uh, she did not feel safe even to raise that question. And she added, I was uh, feeling invisible. So psychological safety, it is really, a, uh, it plays a powerful role eh, in the science of failing well because it allows people to ask for help, eh, which you could have, you could, you know, when they are really over their head. But that did not happen here. So you need to create that psychological safety. In fact, it has been shown eh, that when a group is higher in psychological safety, uh, it's likely to be more innovative, uh, to do higher quality work and enjoy better performance. So that's really a powerful element there. So psychological safety, but the other one is uh, for the individual to feel value. Now, people can feel value in a number of ways. They can feel value because you have, uh, you have recognized their talents and you can then uh, give them some assignments. But the people also can feel value by your generosity. Uh, I remember one example here of one manager who told me uh, many years ago, and it still resonates in my head. He said that uh, one day I was just passing uh, in the corridor. And then when I saw him, I told him, I said, hey, Mike, uh, it's been a long time I've spoken to you, but I want you to know that I did not forget you. So he told me that that comment actually made his day because at that instance, he felt that he was valued. He felt that uh, he was being seen. So some of those uh, uh, small elements there, apart from assigning people project and so on, but the generosity that uh, that you as a senior leader you are you are exercising there, that is extremely meaningful for employees. Great uh, thoughts there. You know, idea of psychological safety, I think, is something that really resonates with me as a business owner and leader of, um, you know, co-leader of a team of 32 people. One thing that we've sort of put in place over the last few years is there are what standing one-on-ones with managers and the people who report up to them every other week in most parts of our company, where it's an active time to sort of ask people how they're doing to kind of dig and look for, you know, what could be better, what's bothering you. And so, you know, my business partner, John, and I do them with those who are the directors of our company, our directors do it with their groups. And it's been a really, really positive thing inside our organization just to have that sort of active listening function built into what we do. But, you know, however you do it in your organization, I I do think that it's important to proactively be yeah, those little comments even, right, that, that you just mentioned to let people know you're thinking of them, to create a, a culture where there's people feel comfortable voicing concerns or just knowing that they're they're cared for. is It's so important. What people are really expect from organization has not changed, has not fundamentally changed, eh? because what people are still looking for, they're looking for uh, that human experience, you know? Uh, we actually, social animal, to quote... Uh, you know, David Brooks, we are social animals, you know, with, with complete range of emotion. We yearn for those connections, you know, personal growth contribute to some extent to those and so on. So we always have to remember this. A project will always be done. But along the way, have the people developed? Uh, what have they learned? And so on. That's a question that I think senior leaders should always ask themselves. Masango, I think um, maybe one of the challenges that a lot of leaders face. I certainly have felt it myself over the years as my company has grown and evolved is just, you know, figuring out that right balance as a leader between, you know, micromanaging, telling people what to do, guide, just guiding them and also just stepping back and letting them discover things on their own and grow. I'm just wondering if you can speak to that a little bit. I can tell you uh, 
and your listener out there, in the, early in my career, I was terrible in giving feedback, for example. I'll start there and then I'll answer your question. You know, it's hard to do, hard to learn. You really have to develop a, a rhythm for it and an understanding of how people respond. So Absolutely. But in reality, people were looking for feedback. So in the beginning, I was uh, great in energizing people, getting them excited and, and whatnot. And, and people were looking for that uh, dose of energy and so on. But I was not uh, really uh, good in, in terms of providing feedback. Then I began to realize it was affecting the performance of the group. And then I began to be scared, actually. And then what I did, I went to the extreme. Then rather than giving the feedback appropriately, I began to attack the individual. You know, you, you need to move your behind. You, hey, man, we are late here. I mean, well, what's going on? Are you lazy or whatnot? Which was the wrong approach. I was rather than dealing with the behavior, I was <laughs> dealing with the people. So I have to learn. And then I developed that skill. But to answer your question in terms of finding that balance, I think if you're going to give a project to a person, number one, you have to set the context for that project, what the project is and how important it is for the organization or for the department and so on, why we are doing this project and what could be uh, the result of this project if we succeed. Years ago, uh, when I was working for a company, we were making uh, polyester that people were using to make those toners huh, for printing. So the base material there was polyester resin. Now, uh, it was the one area that we wanted to expand market share, but we did not have the technology. However, our parent company was a Japanese company. They had the technology. So what we decided strategically with the CEO is that let's try to transfer that technology in the U.S. here, and then it will help us, uh, you know, at least save uh, many years of research and development. Now, there was uh, one uh, senior technical fellow there, which I identified, and uh, talking with his manager, we decided we're going to send him there. So what I did then, uh, both of us, we explained to him the context, how important that was, and so on. And then we asked the individual to define what success would look like as far as he was concerned, and what is the plan that, uh, you know, the strategy or the plan that he had in mind for us to help achieve that. So I indicated to this senior technical person that I had all the confidence in him. I know he's going to do that. He was afraid whether uh, if I send him to Japan, whether uh, I'll just leave him there alone. I assured him no. I said, if this is a concern, don't worry. We'll arrange for you, for your wife to come there every three months, spend some time with you. It will be good. The company will pay for that. And I'll be in communication with you for sure once a month for sure, and we may also have uh, uh, things uh, uh, in between. Now, he went there, we had his plan, and he applied himself because the confidence we gave him, I think, helped that a great deal. He applied himself, he learned the technology, he spent there uh, something like four months, he learned the technology, he came back in the US, we implemented it successfully, he became the de facto expert in that area of technology. He began now to teach the people in operation, manufacturing, how actually to bring it uh, to production, teaching those in marketing and sales, <laughs> what were the performance of this material and how to do it and so on. Now, I had a discussion with this individual afterward because I always like uh, when people do project at the end to bring them in some of uh, a reflective mode. So I asked him to tell me about uh, the experience. What he told me at that time, as I'm recalling, he said that uh, he did not plan to have that kind of experience. 
It was not really uh, the result of himself or his goals because we assigned that to him. But he said once he became aware of went on, he began to like it. So the experience that he went through there resonated with uh, some of the previous things that he remembered that he has enjoyed doing with what was important. So he, he felt the experience was uh, something good, something worth seeking out again. So the fact that uh, we set the context and we let him really to be, uh, to own, uh, to own the project, mapping out the major milestone. Obviously, every now and then we'll have some input, but he owned that and uh, the confidence that we gave him, I think, uh, also led to his uh, high level of commitment. And he delivered, he delivered and he came and and the whole experience was a positive one. So this is how you find that balance, uh, uh, Joe. Yeah, I think that's a really good example. I agree that you need to set people up to succeed. You need to empower them to figure things out on their own and be there to support. And I think that's something that just kind of, as a leader, comes in time to figure that out, and especially with your own people. But it's such an important balance to find. But also the individual, the individual, they have to realize that the whole activity is also a kind of a journey of, of exploration. Huh? And while they're on that journey, they need to maintain a growth mindset. Huh? So uh, always uh, us as senior leader, we have to continue to lead them forward. But we need to continue to reinforce, huh? to reinforce our beliefs in, in, in them. Well, Masago, is there anything I did not ask you about that you'd like to add to the conversation today? I think we have covered uh, most of the things, but the only thing I will say that uh, if you are a senior leader and you need to lead to leave a legacy, think of leaving a legacy in the sense that uh, that you need to be strategic and intentional. So that's number one. And then number two, as you, you are trying to develop that connection with employees, uh, other colleagues or your peer, you need to persevere in that curiosity. Don't just do it once and you have to connect to people you know continually you know it's not just uh, i met him six months ago then i don't talk to him anymore so those are the two items that i'll leave there to conclude huh? great way to wrap it up masango really good conversation today this was great and uh, if your uh, listeners they would like to learn more they should check out uh, my book be a leader of uh, significance it's uh, available on amazon it's also on audible at the end of each chapter actually i'm giving some uh, practice, eh? something that they could put in practice uh, today. So hopefully uh, they'll get something uh, out of that. Beautiful. Masango, thanks for doing this today. Hey, Joe, it was a, it was a great conversation. I enjoyed it a great deal. And uh, thank you for uh, having me on the show. It was my pleasure. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.